what we're trying to tell women is regardless of your choices, figure out what your options are, get educated, be an advocate for yourself, and then make those choices from that confident place of this is what I want for myself. And these are the things that I can handle. It doesn't take wealth. It takes knowledge. This is a chapter that is absolutely all yours. There's nothing selfish about it. In fact, your husband's going to find you sexier when you start taking care of yourself in a way that exudes this confidence. Your kids are going to be like, damn, mom's a badass. It's a wonderful feeling when the people around you see that you have decided you matter and you put action into that. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I am here to help you feel great in your body and rock your hormones with so much ease and grace so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. A dose of real talk that I really wasn't ready for in my late 30s is that our protective hormones decline with age. And if we don't pivot with those fluctuations and declines, we will eventually decline too. Ugh. I mean, who wants to hear that? Even more so, most of us don't really understand what happens when our hormones decline. And that estrogen and progesterone, well, they aren't the only hormones declining or changing. Now, there is a lot more to the hormone puzzle, and that's why it's so important that we have hormone literacy, especially for these transitioning surges and times when our body is critically changing. And what I mean by transitional surges are these specific phases in our lives, puberty, pregnancy, postpartum, and perimenopause. These big transitions in our lives can leave us feeling betrayed by our bodies as we simply don't feel the way that we used to. Now, in relating to not feeling the way that I used to reminds me of a conversation that I had recently with a friend about how motherhood has changed me so much and how I was trying to get back to some parts of the old me and bummed that I kept failing at it. And she immediately and gently reminded me that I will never go back to being the person I was before becoming a mom to Kingston and that I am now an up-leveled version of myself moving forward. Now, after that conversation, I began to really surrender into my new mama self and embrace that I am an up-leveled version of myself. Same with us as women when it comes to these big hormonal transitions. Our bodies are changing and we get to step into an up-leveled version of ourselves. Motherhood is a big pivot and so are these big changes. So is puberty and pregnancy and postpartum and perimenopause and menopause. These changes allow us to up-level our body, especially when we understand what's going on. It's really just a matter of understanding these hormone changes and declines so that we can then respond to our bodies and adapt to those changes. And this is what I really, really want to break down, not only in today's interview, but what I spent a lot of time breaking down in my newest book, The Essential Oils Menopause Solution. Not only do I want you to fully understand what's happening in your body when we start to shift and change our hormones, but also how we can adapt to those changes by shifting our lifestyle. Now, if you haven't grabbed the book, I'm not going to lie, it is a phenomenal book and it's totally worth getting. I'm going to have the link to the book bonus page in the show notes in case you are ready to really get a grasp on what is going on in perimenopause into menopause and how you can make gentle yet effective pivots to really honor your body and the changes that are going on with your hormones. Now, as I mentioned, I want to even have this conversation today. So to deepen this conversation around the understanding of what's happening to our hormones in our 30s, 40s, and beyond, I have invited some amazing menopausal experts, Maria Claps and Kristen Johnson, to join me today and really break down what's going on and how we can pivot moving forward so that you feel at home in your own body. Now, before I bring them on, I want to quickly sing their praises. Maria is a practitioner and Kristen is a board certified nutritionist, and they are 
real talk friends and practitioners who share passion in women's health, especially women's health at midlife. They both themselves are menopausal and they've refined the art and science of thriving at midlife by tailoring lifestyle. And that's exactly what they share. They combine individualized nutrition and lifestyle changes tailored to midlife's women's needs with mindset coaching, lab testing, even hormone replacement therapy to really help women feel at home in their bodies again. So I'm super excited to bring them on. Let's welcome them on to the show. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Maria and Kristen. Honey, how are you girls doing today? We're doing awesome. awesome. <laughs> I am so happy to have you. I cannot tell you. I was just telling you girls how amazing your Instagram account is, wise and well, how you are dropping truth bomb after truth bomb about us navigating perimenopause and menopause and beyond. And what we're talking about today is the truth, the truth. I'm talking, and this is the truth bombs that I'm talking about inside your Instagram account. If you're not following them, go follow them. But the truth about declining hormones and how they impact your weight, mood, and sleep Everyone listening right now is like perking their ears up because that's everyone's concern. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Super excited to, to talk about this. It's like our passion. It is your passion. And talk to me about how this became your passion. How is this? This is the conversation you're having every day. You're serving women at a massive capacity. What was the impetus? What was the defining moment for each of you to decide to do this work? Well, for me, I was about 42 years old and I felt some pretty significant shifts in my body. And I would say I was always, you know, fairly to moderately health conscious and health aware. But like so many women that could claim that's them, you know, I didn't really fully understand what was going on in my body. But I knew that I didn't want to see the corner, the, the physician on the corner in town, great guy, affable, but really just writes prescriptions. So I knew that already. And so I trekked into Manhattan. I saw a multi-published kind of well-known medical doctor who runs a holistic center. And I, I was like, you know, help me out. At that point, I wasn't sleeping and I just, I wasn't feeling well. I was feeling off. I was gaining weight. My mood sucked. And the doctor's visit was, it, it revealed a lot to me. It was very informational. There wasn't a lot of support. There was a lot of, well, take these bioidentical hormones, which as you know, we're not categorically against by any means. But again, remember I was 42. So probably just at the outset of perimenopause and just at the beginning of it. And it was like, well, let's put you uh, at, at an awesome DEXA scan that measured everything. And it was like, well, let's put you on a bisphosphonate drug. And then here, you know, just take this clonopin when you can't sleep. I ended up getting hooked on it, had to kind of wean myself off that. And it was like, all right, this was helpful, but it wasn't that helpful. And I knew that there was better out there. And that's when I just pursued a second career. And I was like, okay, I'm going back to school on women's hormones, perimenopause and menopause specifically. So mm. that's how I started. Mm, love that story so much because that is so profound that you you go through it and you're like, really? This is what you've got for me? We can do better and we got to do better. Kristen, honey, how about you? Yeah, so mine's not super different in terms of the time frame. I think um, Maria and I kind of represent a lot of ladies in that early 40s. Things start to shift, the goalposts change, and you start to wonder what's going on. And I was stuck in um, outside of Boston. I had great access to phenomenal medical care. Unfortunately, it was very conventionally minded. And I had a wonderful female primary care doc. And I went to her and I said, just don't feel right. Something's off. And in my mind, I'm thinking of like, do I have Lyme's disease? You know, because I was like achy joints and I was fatigued and I couldn't, I didn't have as much exercise tolerance and different things. And then the weight started to change. And so I ended up going back to her so frequently that she finally stopped me and said, Hey, you've been here four times in six months. What's going on? You're, you're normal. Everything's normal. And I remember reading somewhere, somebody saying, check your hormones. Well, of course, that was a little bit of incomplete advice because it probably would have been more relevant had I checked them at a certain time in my cycle, but I yeah. didn't know that then. <laughs> and it was sort of a, put the Mirena in, this will get you through all these changes. You're fine. Nothing's wrong. And 
I literally, you know, I saw my marriage start to suffer. My sex life started to suffer. My weight started to change. My self-image started to change. My sleep was completely trashed. And my mom had a complete hysterectomy when I was born and she was 32. So I had no reference for, you know, what is menopause? Um, when did it happen? When should it happen in my genetics? And so I didn't, I went flying blind into my mid forties. And it wasn't until, you know, the hair change, like everything, I felt like I was losing myself and I was putting all this work into myself and it was never working. So I started just reading and then started to think, okay, there's something more here that I'm not being told. And I too decided to go back to school. And then when I was working with other women, I'm realizing I'm not alone. All the, these women of my age group are starting to feel this way. And then you really just shifted from instead of general kind of nutrition work with women, to focusing specifically on midlife. And it's, you know, it's profound, the changes that we can make. We have so many levers at our disposal before we want medical intervention there's no reason that women have to suffer for these 10, 12 years that they do. And that, you know, kind of brought me and Maria together. And we both have a pretty blunt approach to things. And, um, and we're just maybe because we've got this residual anger from kind of having been not put through the ringer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really helped. And we were like, this is crap. And we're gonna change this. And so we kind of are loud and proud, so to speak, when it comes to telling midlife women that, it's not in your head. There is a huge shift. Let's learn about it. And then let's figure out what your options are. And so that's kind of what we bring, you know, to our clients and women. Hmm. You're absolutely right. Like we, one, we deserve better. We, none of us need to just go to the ringer, but yes, perimenopause and menopause are inevitable. We're going to go through it and the changes are going to happen. The hormones are going to decline. The pivots are going to you know, shift and we've got to be able to pivot with our bodies. And I think that's the big message that I see with you both is this, these changes are happening, like own it. And now let's pivot with it. And I, I truly believe, and I think you believe this as well, is that when women are given the information, they will make those changes. They'll, 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 they'll implement, you know, absolutely. I mean, they, you know, think about it when we're at this age of our lives, most of us, we've been caregivers in one way or another, whether it's to spouse, kids, careers, whatever, we're pretty damn good advocates for everybody else in our life. But when we don't have the information that we need to kind of take care of our own health, we just sort of suffer in silence. And so we want to say to these women, like, Hey, not only is there stuff you need to learn, this can be your best part of your life. You know, you're kind of offloading a lot of those things. Those people aren't as dependent upon you. And like, let's go and thrive and soar and have a blast and travel the world and, you know, have great sex and all these good things. And to tell a woman that that's possible and totally within her reach is the best message. I mean, Marie and I love telling women like, no, we're going to shift this and you're going to wait and see. And, you know, it's, it's a proof of concept. Our clients come back to us and they're like, why did nobody tell me? <laughs> you know, so. Well, the mindset is that first step, but we know that there's got to be work on the on the on the back end as well. So let's dive really quickly into the hormone changes because little do we know, like no one told us about our period. No one told us about puberty. Most women don't have body literacy. They don't necessarily know how to track their cycle, although that is shifting. And goodness knows, I feel like everyone decided to not pay attention in class when we went over perimenopause and menopause in school. You know, and not women, I'm talking about practitioners. Like they, they checked out, they went and listened to a, a podcast or something. So, cause most OBGYNs and primary doctors have no idea what the difference is between perimenopause and menopause. And so no doubt women, when they're in even the perimenopause spectrum, they're like, am I in menopause? And I'm like, no girl, you ain't even there yet. You know, you <laughs> haven't gotten to the top of the cliff or the top of the mountain. So talk to me about what is, what is going on with us in this, in this perimenopause spectrum as we're getting to the top of the mountain. Well, Kristen and I like to say that perimenopause is a default state of hormone imbalance. There's kind of no escaping. It doesn't mean that you can't do things and it doesn't mean that you can bring yourself, you know, that you can't bring yourself into eventual hormone balance, but hormone balance, like to try to say, aim for hormone balance at 43, 44, 45, 46, when, you know, your progesterone is likely declining. Your naturally declining. Naturally, totally natural change. Nothing wrong with you, how the body works. 
and your estrogen is high, low, medium, medium, low, high, like there's no balancing that. It's, it's just, it's almost like a fool's errand to think you're going to be balanced in perimenopause. But again, doesn't mean that we just completely like ignore that. We absolutely do things that support our health, but we don't like chase this elusive balance in perimenopause. So shifting hormones, you know, we've got, so those are the sex hormones. You know, testosterone for a lot of women doesn't fall right away. You know, some women may be testosterone sufficient and into their early sixties, not all women. This is why we test, but we know that progesterone has, you know, kind of gone south. Estrogen is fluctuating, goes south eventually, you know, adrenal hormones, DHEA, vitality hormone, that's going south. That probably started going south you know, sometime in the twenties, in your twenties, yeah. <laughs> in your thirties. Cause let's be honest, 30 to 35, there's a shift, you know what I'm saying? 35 to 42, there's another shift. Yeah. And we don't do ourselves favors with our foot on the gas. No. You know? And that's all we know to do sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say it's just amazing. And, and I'm not saying this because this was my shift at about 42, 43, but I've spoken to so many women that there's just something in that transition from 42 to 43 that just, it's another shift. So I don't know if it's like that, you know, the progesterone has already fallen, but now the estrogen has fallen. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there's definitely a shift. So we can just see like forties. I don't even say to women anymore. Like I don't necessarily talk about symptoms of perimenopause. You know, if you're in your forties, you're likely in perimenopause. I just, I make, I mean, and not to say that there aren't some women who are super, super, super dialed and they dialed it in their twenties and they dialed it in their thirties. And now they're kind of like hop skipping through a big chunk of their forties without noticing anything. I would, that's very rare. But that's what you just said. They're still in perimenopause. They oh, yeah. just don't have as loud of an experience. Absolutely. I I'll tell you my Mack truck moment was 35 almost 36. Like I was like, what just happened to me? Like, and we were seeing these symptoms earlier in, in our mid to late thirties where I was like, oh no, this is a shift. My progesterone had tanked and it was a lot of lifestyle. I drove it right into the ground and I had to do a massive cleanup to be, I mean, I'm postpartum and perimenopause right now. I'm in, I'm in it. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 42 in a, in six months or five months, whatever it is. But I felt like I, I had the proverbial Mack truck moment, like 36, 37. It was, it was a rough go around. And I, for some women that's 43, some women it's 38, some women it's all perimenopause. Just maybe the Mack truck doesn't come till 48, 47. And some of our clients, it doesn't come at all. You yeah, know, oh, absolutely. Menopause, which Maria, you know, will go next into kind of really explaining what menopause is because there's huge confusion over that. But it's, you know, we talk about this is why ladies, all of these decisions that we make, whether you're 20, 30 or 40, add up. They add up to either a really loud experience or a really quiet experience. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was, I was talking to, I was interviewing a friend of mine yesterday and she's like, she's 52 and you may know her, but I'm, I won't say who it is. And she was like, you know, I'm so happy we're having this conversation because I think menopause is coming. And I was like, well, what are the symptoms? And she's like, you know, my cycle's shifting a little. And I was like, Girl, please. I was just so happy for her. I was like, don't tell nobody. You know, find us on the podcast. (laughs) And I was like, no, that's not, those are not symptoms, honey. That is what happens. Your ovaries are bowing out. And that's what that's, if that's all you go through to get to menopause, you know what? Celebrate it. Celebrate it from the rooftops because those are not symptoms at all. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about menopause because there is so much confusion about that, about what it is, you know, the defining moment and then the postmenopause and there's so, just all of it. It's just, it, there's a, just everyone has a different idea of what it is. Yeah. So many women say I'm, you know, I'm, I'm menopausal or they go to the doctor and they get like a high follicle stimulating hormone test reading and, you know, they get that one test, right? The one, one test. visit. <laughs> And who even knows it's on the right day to begin with? Right. And or so it's high when the day that they test Mm -hmm. and the doctor like says they're menopausal or women like I'm going through menopause. So so technically menopause is one day. It's like that day that you finally realize you haven't menstruated for 12 months. And anything after that is postmenopausal for what it's worth. 
Yep. So that's the defining moment. And then, and then the, and then the rest of your amazing life gets to unfold. Which by the way, is now almost a third of our life. It could be half depending on, I mean, so, I mean, I was fully menopausal at 47 and, you know, if I live to my nineties, I will have lived half of my life, you know, postmenopausally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm so glad for the definition. And that's, I know, I know so many women feel like a lot of what we thought were menopausal symptoms and not to say that that can't spill over into postmenopause, but that the, a lot of those symptoms that we think are menopausal symptoms are really perimenopausal symptoms. For it's sure. the eye of the storm, really. Yeah. If, if, if indeed lifestyle stresses, the modern American l- life that we live, if you're in that and haven't made pivots or changes, you're definitely going to feel the the, the brunt of what is considered menopausal symptoms in your in your late 40s into early 50s, depending on where you land on that spectrum. And, and that's really the perimenopause experience that so many women are confusing. It's no wonder why so many women are like, is this menopause? And they're like, no, girl, you're almost there, but you're not on the other side of it just, just yet. And it could continue to spill over into that other side. All right. Pivots are, things are changing. We can't change that. Hormones are declining. We can't change that. We do know that other hormones are involved, insulin, thyroid, cortisol. We can make some improvements there. We can make some shifts there. I want to talk about the wisdom of what we can do. This is not what you're ever going to hear in your doctor's office. This is not what you're going to hear from your OBGYN. This is the real the real recommendations, the real wisdom of pivoting with our body. We got to pivot with our body. Talk to me about where what what is foundational here when again estrogen and progesterone are dropping. We know that's true. How can we buffer these changes out? Yeah. I mean, I think the number one thing, and this is a hard pill for ladies to swallow, it comes down to your diet and your metabolic health. And it's difficult to imagine because a lot of women, you know, we, thanks to social media or no thanks to social media, there is much more awareness about getting away from the standard American diet. Without a doubt, you know, most women listening to this podcast are very learned about, you know, not having Triscuits for breakfast and, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken for dinner or something. So, that's not even what we're talking about. What we're talking about is that these shifting hormones that you just referenced are shifting how what you eat today is going to be handled by your body differently than having eaten the exact same thing two years ago. And that's where it's a difficult kind of mind shift for women because they start chasing this elusive image of themselves, whether it existed before or they want it to happen now, and they're using a rule book that doesn't apply anymore. And so getting women to understand tough love, you have to change to change. You know, I don't care how good you've been doing it. I don't care that you've been eating clean paleo and, you know, plant-based or whatever it is. You need to understand that this position of perimenopause is so unique that your nutrition needs to adapt to it. And to that end, the tough one to, to sell is low carb. Now, people, you know, I get it. They're resisting low carb. There's a lot of misinformation about, oh, but you need carb for your thyroid or you need, you know, carb this, or they think low carb means keto. All these kind of noisy things have been conflated and made people very confused. And we get that. But truly, we try and teach women that as your estrogen declines, your carb sensitivity declines as well. And so this isn't about low carb to chase some number on a scale. This is about low carb to actually honor. Or ketones or anything like that. Yeah, honor your metabolism. In addition, as your estrogen and testosterone start to decline, your bones and your muscles start to be affected. So now how do we build muscle? And this is something that a lot of women, it's foreign to them, right? Because they haven't been, they've been doing maybe Peloton, Orange Theory Fitness, Pilates, wonderful things for a certain period of time in your life. But what you need right now is to start working on that muscle. And guess what? You're losing that race before you even enter it. So how do we build muscle? We build muscle by eating protein because that provides us with the amino acids, animal protein, ladies, hate to break it to you, but you need those specific amino acids in order to build muscle that you work by strength training. So here's two new things for women, heavy animal protein, 
and strength training. Okay. That's a big shift in and of itself. So Maria and I try and, you know, work with these women to say, we cut the carbs, not out of some punitive deprivation sort of mindset, but because it honors the fact that your lower estrogen is going to make those carbs turn into fat for you. We have to increase animal protein, meaning no chia seed smoothies in the morning, ladies. You know, we need to eat our eggs and our, you know, turkey or bacon or whatever it is, because we need to provide our body with what it needs to maintain that muscle mass. Why do we need to do that? Not to be bikini ready. You know, that's great. I mean, Marie and I would love to be bikini ready. It's more about protecting your long-term health, mm-hmm. right? Save off sarcopenia. So it's those sorts of things. It's, it's multifactorial. It gets very noisy and confusing. Um, it starts to frustrate women and we get that, but we try and keep it really simple. You eat a whole foods uh, pamphlet, you drop your carbs, you increase your animal protein, and you start to balance your blood sugar. If you can do that, just that, all those other hormones that you just talked about, thyroid, cortisol, you know, our adrenal function in and of itself, they start to get less loud, right? All those symptoms start to become less loud. So for our standpoint, diet and metabolic health is the number one place that midlife women need to start. And then we have obviously other health foundations that Marie and I are pretty adamant need to be dialed in as well. Let's let's. I want to dive in a little bit into this, and I want to get into those as well. I, I want to speak into the the need for building up that muscle. A lot of women do not realize that we begin to lose muscle mass even in our into our late thirties definitely into our early 40s. And it's a percentage, pretty much a serious percentage every decade that we've got to take into account. Also, another fact that a lot of women don't get is that we're not going to bulk. We don't have enough testosterone and androgens (laughs) to do that. You'd be lucky if you could bulk 40 on on, right? I am on biceps, 20 pounds on biceps right now. I'll tell you, there's no, there's no, I'm not, there's not, it's not cutting, you know, there's no cuts on these little arms yet. And that's with 20 pound weights. I'll do one better for you. I eat over 100 grams of protein every day. I pick up very heavy weights. I use testosterone. I still can't bulk. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to get that disclaimer to be really, I just want to make that really clear to women. We don't have a choice. These are non-negotiables. Yeah. Having them understand that when we, you know, what's our biggest fear as a woman, right? It's to be not independent. It's to be frail. And it's to be broken, right? We don't want to be that kind of castaway on the couch at 75 that everyone's kind of orbiting around at Easter dinner. Right. We don't want to not be productive. Correct. And so when women start to hear that that frailty that we're seeing at 70, 75, 80 started at 35 and 40, that starts to become an imperative for them, right? Is if you don't want to be that lady on the couch, what you do today matters more than what she's doing at 75. And, you know, getting that piece of it because, you know, your bones remodel and your muscles grow when they're put under stress. And so how do we do that? We strength train. Oh, that's great. You could strength train all you want, but if you're not providing them the cofactors for muscle building, which is the animal protein, you're not going to see it. So combining that piece and just telling women it's not your 30 year old workout and it's not your 30 year old diet, you know, giving them that sort of almost a um, permission to shift things up in a quest to avoid that frailty at 75. That's where it starts to make a difference. I agree. Well, and also your 30, your 30 year old workout plan, ain't your 20 year old workout plan, you know? And so I think we're, women are, we, we are used to pivoting as long as we know we got to. And I think that's why I'm so happy to have this conversation, you know, and, and we all know we can feel, you know, that's the complaint is that what I used to do isn't working for me anymore. And when we're like, yeah, cause it's not, it's not, it won't, it won't work for you anymore. And I don't think that these pivots are that for me, at least they're not that challenging. It's, you know, we, we, these changes can be, you know, we can take small steps in this direction. We can start working on the the heavier weights and, and gradually increasing those. We can increase a little bit more protein in every single meal to what we, we get to that place. And then we can we can look at whatever pieces, like if there's inflammatory foods that we've got to remove to remove reduce the inflammation. Alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> 
Sorry, we're going to say let's, it, We're going to do, no, let's have the conversation about the wind down because that has been, that has been sold as the relaxation solution. And the only thing it's doing for you is it's causing insulin, insulin resistance. And your liver is, I mean, your liver needs to shuttle out all these hormones and, and take care of you. And, you know, you're burdening it. And it's not just the wind down. There's also this mentality that like in our forties, we've earned it. And I'm like, ladies, really, is this something you feel that you're rewarding yourself with? Because this actually is going to bite you in the rear end and you're not going to realize it. And it's, it's tough, but you know, Maria and I, we try and be really open and honest about how we use those things. I don't drink at all. Maria doesn't drink at all. It's been a personal arc for both of us, but wow, do we feel better not doing it? And the food piece, you know, telling women 130 grams of protein in a day, let's say is a goal. All they think of is that they're eating like an entire roast beef for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? And so Marie and I have started to, with our private clients, share, we're not fans of tracking because we think, you know, we've all been kind of micromanaged with some of the messaging on eating up till this point in our lives, but we like tracking from the standpoint of just a couple of days to show what am I getting? You know, how do I feel when I eat a particular way? And Marie and I just out of the heck of it, tracked both of our particular food intake and shared it with clients to say, does this look like we were eating volumes of, you know, animals? No, it was very normal quantity of food, enjoyable food. And look, we both met our protein targets. And so just getting women to kind of step back and like clear their brain out of fears and misconceptions, and then, you know, just dig in and do the change. Like you said, it's accessible. It's not that hard. It's just taking the steps. It's taking the steps and knowing. It's the it's it's that it's that knowing. It's like, okay, here, here is the landscape that we're working with. Here are the inevitable changes that are happening. Thank goodness there's ways in which that we can pivot around this. Yeah, we can we can change with our body. You're absolutely right. We can dial in the because I think muscle is the organ of longevity. You know, and if we we we've got to dial that not only for metabolic rate and mitochondrial function, all of it. It's it's all tied together. And it can support, you know, helping to balance out a lot of our hormones. But one of the things I always tell women, and I'd love to connect with you about this as well, because this is a time in our life where all these genes are changing and we have the biggest responsibilities. And so I always say you can't green smoothie, you can't, you can't steak salad your way out of chronic stress. You know, that that yes, you can take the supplements and the adaptogens and you can do the exercise, but you could still your your brain could still be in the proverbial, there's a tiger behind me 24-7, you know, and, and that's definitely causing its own issues. What are some of the approaches that you take with a lot of your ladies in this, that they're taking care of parents, they've got kids, 33 million women are out of the workforce right now because of the pandemic. Like a lot of stuff is hitting the fan for us as women. What are some things that you have found, both of you being amazing career women, entrepreneurs, moms, you know, partners, all of it, potentially grandmas soon, you know, like wh what is that? <laughs> say, what does that look like? How do, how do you walk women through this too? Cause I bet that that's a lot of what can get in their way. So some of our stress is absolutely very real. And I, and I also want to say that stress can, can also be just a gut infection. So stress can be physiological in the body and it could be, you know, just the life circumstance we find ourselves in and, and, Kristen may have a better kind of offering for this than I do, but, and so this is not to minimize people with serious stress, like taking care of ill parents, absolutely. But I also really truly have come to realize that the stress is how we see and how we frame things. Mm -hmm. And, and again, that's not to downplay the fact that some people do have taking care of a sick child or what have you. I get that. My heart goes out to that. But, you know, if we kind of frame the everyday stress, like, you know, the work, you know, the relationships, the traffic, I, I guess one of the questions I was able to ask myself and come to the realization of years ago when I was a mom with four small children is what's the worst that's going to happen if I don't do this thing. Now, for me, this thing was like bringing in cookies for, you know, a birthday, uh, a, a, an in-classroom birthday party, which you can't do that anymore at all because, you know, you go to schools. But, you know, we're got, well, that too, and every kid's got a different allergy. And so who knows what cookies ago, are. You could. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but, 
And here, I just want to tell you, this is a cute little thing I came with. It was like, what's the worst that happens if I don't do this? And I was like, okay, the worst thing could be, I will be, bring in, I'll never forget this, a bowl of peeled clementines. Now to the three of us, that sounds you know, healthy and fantastic. And sure, we would all do that. 25 years ago, that was like, oh my gosh, like that you, you would do that. Like, and people ended up loving it. I will just say that, but you know, what's the worst that could happen. And a lot of times Maritza, the worst that could happen is really not that worse. And we create these stories in our head, right? So a lot of stress is, you know, we want, I never believe we should tell people to reduce stress. We need to reframe and mitigate stress, but we, we aren't going to reduce it in this lifetime. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I've had the unfortunate part of being the caregiver for a dying parent. Unfortunately, he was 3000 miles away. I had one kid off in college, two kids that were at pivotal places in their lives in high school and a husband who worked in New York while we lived in Boston and my father was in Florida. So just imagine my back and forth. I get it. It is very difficult. It is very stressful. And you've got the emotional piece, right? Let's not forget that a lot of the stress that's going on right now is very emotional. As Maria said, we don't ever tell women like you need to reduce it or you need to get rid of it. What we say to them is you need to acknowledge it. You need to embrace it and you need to find a way to make room for it. And that may mean you're not working out and that's okay. It may mean that you're um, taking naps. It may mean that you are dialing it in for dinner some days and, you know, doing the best you can with another healthy out pickup at Whole Foods, you know, takeout, whatever. But it's finding ways to acknowledge what's happening in your life and say, this is happening. I'm not going to run from it. I can't panic about it. And I'm not going to get rid of it. How can I help it? I think, you know, pick your poison, some sort of practice where you become present. That could be meditation. That could be prayer. That could be gratitude journaling. That could be, you know, a tapping routine with oils. Pick your poison, pick what works for you. It doesn't have to be what everyone does. It could be as simple as breath work. But we tell women when we have them come in and they've got these, you know, adrenal profiles and we, we read their intake forms and we recognize, you know, they've got everything that we just described, the, the failing parent, the job loss, et cetera, just say, okay, how are we going to deal with this? You know, how can we acknowledge it, embrace it and love ourselves through it? It's a difficult period of time for stress like this to happen to midlife women because we are holding ourselves to this unbelievable standard. And we think that we're taking care of everybody. And as Maria just said, what's the worst thing? If you don't take care of yourself, ladies, all bets are off for everybody else that you're taking care of. So, you know, we try and tell women there are, there are just routines and habits you're going to have to figure out. And that means you're probably going to have to get rid of other things, right? That means, like I said, the workout, that might mean the volunteer thing. I remember when my dad was dying, I was in the middle of working with our state legislature to shift the opening time of our high schools to a later hour because we were looking at the circadian rhythms of kids and realizing that high schoolers needed to be sleeping in. And it's the little ones who should be getting on the bus at 7.30, not a high schooler. It was a huge, important and critical you know, thing that I wanted. I'd been working on this for years. Now my dad's dying. He's going into hospice. And I had to walk in and say, I need to resign from this position. I'm going to give you all the information I have. I need to go honor the stress that's in my life right now and give it attention. And I didn't feel like a failure. In fact, I felt more like a successful person because I was able to say, here's my priority. Here's what I need to do to self, you know, survive. And the rest of the world's going to be fine, <laughs> you know? So getting that messaging out to women. And I think the number one thing that this can all get wrapped into is your sleep. I mean, this stress is incredibly inflammatory in the body. It adds to that physiological piece that Maria just talked about. But if we're not sleeping, all the prayer, gratitude, and essential oils in the world aren't going to do anything for you. So again, we have to have this tough love talk with women about it's not about making 36 hours of work and 24 hours happen by staying up all night on your phone. Okay. It's going to be having very strict rules for yourself about these things and figuring it out. And if it means working with a practitioner to figure out how do you deal with the hot sweats, which might be the ones keeping you up at night, you know, what kind of adaptogens can help you calm that brain. One of the things that women are losing right now in midlife are neurotransmitter production, right? 
If your gut health is off and you're eating plant-based, then you're really screwed on neurotransmitters. So that's going to increase your perception of this stress. There are ways to deal with this. So it's, you know, like we said, it's defining it, embracing it, acknowledging it, and figuring out a way to live with it. There are tools for that. It's not pretending to the world on your Instagram account that you got this nailed. That's stressful. Mm, powerful. We are the common denominator of all these things. We gotta, yeah, we that we gotta acknowledge that. That is so so true. I love it. Yeah, you, we can't we can't tell women to just be like, well, get rid of that stress. Right. <laughs> no. How do we how do we accept it? How do we acknowledge? How do we recognize that we're the common denominator? And yes, sleep is such a major player in that. As we're wrapping things up, I would love to hear from both of you how you decided to redefine what your what it's all going to look like moving forward, but you're doing massive things in the world. Was there a moment of, of redefining? You know, this isn't your mama's menopause or post-menopause, right? What it looked like for your mama is not what it looks like for you. What it looked like for my mama, my mom's mom was on um, Mama's Little Helper. She was on volume. That was what we yeah. gave women back in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Little yellow pill. There's reasons why songs are made about that. That's right. <laughs> and and so it, my mom's like, oh, hell no. I'm not I'm not doing it the way my mama did it. You know, and, and it really was done to her in a lot of ways. Like, how do we do it for us? Tell me about that, like for you yourself. I really take in my environment and I looked at, you know, the average 50 to 55 to 60 year old woman and lots of weight. Usually if we're being really honest, lots of weight, just kind of a sallow kind of look it's skin, uh, just almost like not engaged with life. Obviously this is not all women. Um, you know, you, you have to wonder, or, you know, do they even have a sex drive because, you know, Sex is when you, you when you're healthy, you kind of want to have sex. When you're not healthy, that's that just goes right out the window. And just the weight and just the sort of like also isolation, right? Just like not wanting to be engaged in life anymore. And I was like, I know that there's some lessening of abilities, and there is even a little bit of weight gain with age. You know, we're not gonna be the weight that we were at 30, that we are at 55, you know, we are going to put on a little bit of weight, metabolism. Yes, it does slow down, but all of these things can be so dealt with. And so like any negative impacts can be minimized. And, you know, the more and more I read about what can I do, I was like, I want to do all that I can do, you know, honoring my biology, honoring the fact that, you know, I may not be able to do everything every day, but I'm going to do as much as I can. So for me, that was the harsh reality, like Kristen said, is got to drop those carbs. It's like a non-negotiable, an absolute non-negotiable. And again, we're not pushing keto, you know, or anything like that. You dropped them and replaced them. Yes. Yeah. With, with basically with protein and moderate amounts of fat. So that's actually not even really keto. We're kind of the reverse of that. And it was okay, like dialing in the sleep. It was like really getting serious about like, oh, this phone that I have here is fun. And yeah, it's fun to in, you know, interact on social media, but like just getting off at night, giving myself a great bedtime routine, getting help where I needed. And then for me, lastly, it was okay. I did a deep dive, including mentorship with professionals about hormone replacement therapy. And I was like, oh, I wouldn't want to age without that. And that's on top of me doing all of the things, which we feel you need to do all of the things if you're going to even think about HRT. Like, don't put that first. That's not first in the queue by any means. But for me, that was a big thing because, again, yes, we can change our perception. We can change our experience of perimenopause and menopause. Absolutely. We, uh, by what we do, but for some of us, and I'm living proof of that, even doing all the things, sometimes HRT is needed. And for me, it was, and I, for a lot of our clients, it is as well. So that was my aha moment was basically looking around at your average woman who's really not kind of self-aware as to how the changes are in her body, seeing what she looked like and decided, you know, I don't want that. And also like, I don't want to be a burden to my family and I want to be traveling at 60 and 70 and, you know, God willing, 80. I've, I've been on trips with 80 year olds and they're totally inspirational. So, yeah. Yes. Love it. Well, Marie and I both, so we're the only ladies in our families. Okay. So for people who don't know us, we have seven boys between us plus two husbands and then the two of us. And 
you know, it's, it's easy to continue to be in this caregiving caretaker mode, which sadly suddenly shifts into almost a martyred victim mentality when you get to your fifties and sixties. And for me, I had a mother who was very, very unhappy. We had some tragedy in her life, which partly explained it. My brother was killed, but, um, you know, she physically was suffering through menopause, which like I said, started at 32. So it's a long period of life for her. And I looked at that and said, not to judge her, this isn't what I want for my life. And that became the, what levers are in my control? I'm a complete control freak, hundred percent admitted type A. I'm a recovering attorney, as I like to put it, left my practice of law, but never left my love of research. And my biggest thing was educate myself. And this is what we say to women all the time. Even if you don't want to work with us, even if you don't want to work with Dr. Maritza, read a book, figure out what's going on. And that was my aha moment of like, I'm not a victim here. I don't have to rely on a medical system that isn't that interested in making sure that my next chapter is my best, but I'm interested in that. And so figuring out the levers that I could pull were, you know, I'm a capable, able, able woman. I'm going to pull those damn levers, but recognizing there's some things I'm not capable of pulling and then having the kind of wherewithal to say, I'm going to invest in a team around me. I'm going to invest in whether it's the trainer who's going to shift me from my competitive sports to actually strength training for longevity instead of for performance, right? I'm going to, you know, align with doctors who are going to help me monitor these health markers as I go forward in age. I'm going to, you know, choose to replace hormones or not. For me, it was a choice to do it. But all of those things, what we're trying to tell women is regardless of your choices, Figure out what your options are, get educated, be an advocate for yourself, and then make those choices from that confident place of this is what I want for myself and these are the things that I can handle. It doesn't take wealth, it takes knowledge. And that's what we keep trying to tell women is this is a chapter that is absolutely all yours. There's nothing selfish about it. In fact, your husband's going to find you sexier when you start taking care of yourself in a way that exudes this confidence. Your kids are going to be like, damn, mom's a badass." It's a wonderful feeling when the people around you see that you have decided you matter and you put action into that. So that was kind of my moment of just I don't want to be tired and angry and fat and not loving myself and uncomfortable naked. How do I make sure I'm not? And I don't want to have, I've got APOE genes. I've got a grandmother with Alzheimer's. I had a mother with breast cancer, like all those scary things I also had too. What can I do, you know, to address those things head on, not to run from them, not to ignore them, not to stick my ears and my fingers in my ears and pretend they're not going to happen. You know, so that was the biggest thing was just, educate knowledge, pull the levers you can, get a team to help you on the areas that you can't and do not apologize for it. Ooh, ooh that's a <laughs> mic drop moment. Ooh, that was hmm, taking, a, taking my own moment. Love, oh, so, that's so good. I'm so glad I asked that question. Let me tell you. Oh, I think I think we can end the conversation with that right there. Where can we plug in? What what? How can we tap in to this wisdom that you two bring to the table? We are very active on Instagram. Although I have to say, I'm taking a three day. You are taking a little break. hiatus. I saw that. It's delicious. I'm absolutely <laughs> loving it. But I would say I also love the interaction as well. Um, and so we tend to like to say that our Instagram is very education forward. At least we try to be. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, if you, if they type wise and well into the search bar, they'll find us. Oh yeah, absolutely. We also have another community that we've been building out on a platform called mighty networks. And we did that because Instagram limits the amount of engagement that we can have, obviously to a certain degree, algorithms change who gets to see us. And we recognize that everyone's going to go to each person they follow and find it. So we wanted to go somewhere that wasn't Facebook wasn't noisy, that wasn't going to have political feeds and discussions and friends and everything else, but was just a very closed community for people who are concerned about these issues and want to get more information. And that's on a platform called Mighty Networks. So you can find that going through our Instagram profile. We have Insta links that then can um, link you up to how to join that. It's free. Well, and then I'll, we'll grab the link here for the show notes as well. And we'll make sure it's in there. So people can just click through there as well. 
so that then that's where they can really connect with you, like have that discussion and, you know, and, and get to really get what you have to offer. Yeah. And then obviously our website, we have a website we're pretty proud of. That's just, you know, trying to say who we are, what we want to do and how we want to help women. And that's just wiseandwell.me. And that would probably be it. Right, Maria? That's it. Awesome. Perfect. I will have all of those links in the show notes for this episode. Go and follow these amazing women on Instagram. Connect in. If you are loving what you're hearing, and maybe if you're like, mm, goodness, and, and you're like, but I know I need to hear more of this, then please tune into them. I love Kristen and Maria. I think that they are the change that we need to see in the world for women moving into these beautiful stages in our lives, into this next big phase of our lives. You guys do it with such grace. So I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. These are the kind of conversations we need to continue to have. These are real talk conversations about our declining hormones and our ovaries that have chosen to retire out. And what's so great about it is when we know what's going on, we can really set ourselves up for success. And that is exactly what Maria and Kristen do best. They get it and they are amazing allies and experts in this perimenopause and menopausal transition, what we define as midlife. Now, if you loved this conversation and you wanna know more about how to pivot in these beautiful transitions, by all means, reach out to them, find them on Instagram. Or you can check them out. They have an amazing, amazing group and community where they deliver phenomenal content. It's called Mastering Midlife Mayhem. And I will have the link for that in the show notes. You can find them on Instagram at Wise and Well. And I just want to say thank you again for always stopping by and listening to the Essentially You podcast. Coming up this Friday, I am continuing the conversation on metabolic health because let me tell you, our metabolic health really defines our longevity. It's where we've got to pivot when it comes to making these transitions, especially the perimenopause to menopause transition. And especially for us as women, we become insulin resistant, you know, by the time we hit menopause, the more that we can set ourselves up for success when it comes to metabolic flexibility, the better off we are. So I am going to be jumping on on Friday and sharing my experience with wearing my continuous glucose monitor and an app called Levels. I have learned so much about this journey wearing a CGM, and I'm excited to deep dive and share a little bit about what my experience has been and what I have taken away from monitoring my blood sugar pretty much 24-7 over the last 30 plus days. Well, until then, I'm super excited to jump on and see you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Keep on enjoying your summer and I'll see you soon. Bye.